Hello and welcome to Pale Reflection, the proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wabo's most charmed work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back to talk about Lost for Words 1.7, 1.8, and Inventories. It, it, it's Inventories. I'm, I'm yeah, so sick sure. of people doing that. <laughs> inventories. What are they? What are our characters going to invent? Ooh, let's find out later. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll have to because I'm not 100 percent sure what all these diagrams <laughs> yeah, do. True. But let's get there. I, I was making a joke, but actually, they do basically invent some interesting <laughs> things that we'll have to try and decipher later on. Um, but let's begin with 1.7, shall we? Which uh, opens. Yep. Shall we? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think uh, oh, let's go backwards this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 1.7 opens with Avery in gym class, and she is using her sight to give herself an edge. She's cheating, basically. Yeah, it's really it's really great, though, to kind of see Avery a bit, like, in her element. Like, you know, she's not a basketball player. Um, yeah. Pam mentions that in a bit. She's, she's more of an ice hockey player. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's like a bit of a around. Like, she's a runner. She's a sports person. Um, she yep, does good a sports. Sportser. Yep. Um, and it's it's fun to see her do her good sports. <laughs> like the, I, I think one of the things I really liked about this is you know she's kind of annoyed that there's so many basketball games going on because she wants to be able to use audio cues to also play mm. and like you know I'm shit at mm. ball sports and stuff so that sort of thing has never occurred to me. I can barely work on hand to eye coordination. I'm not adding other things into the mix. <laughs> you uh, can barely deal with one sentence. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it was just really cool to kind of see her in her, see her in, wait, see in her head while she's like in her element. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess the fact that she's kind of you know relying on all her senses, so to speak, for for this game makes it less intense, less kind of worrying to me that she is using her sight in this. Like, it's just another sense that she's using. It's not, yeah. she's specifically using this to give her an edge. Because um, it's kind of like the exact kind of petty magic, which is totally a mistake, and we'll see exactly why soon. Yeah, but it's totally the sort of thing I would have tried. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, maybe not this specific example, because, you know, I'm probably more on Verona's level when it comes to this sort of thing. But, um yeah like just the idea of like using the site in all sorts of situations to try and just make things easier because isn't that like what you would want (laughs) magic to do yeah the bit where she's like inspecting connections to see who likes who in class is very much what i would have done (laughs) when i was 13 years old if i learned magic 100 percent. yeah um so yeah she's kind of even thinking about whether she would like whether she could kind of reinforce ideas use magic to influence the outcome of when she's about to make this shot and it's again it's like i don't know i i I kind of would say that this is probably a little bit worrying but avery learns that lesson soon enough (laughs) so i'm kind of gonna i'll lay off her a bit she'll uh she'll learn the lesson i I think the other really interesting thing about that moment is like she sort of comments on how it's an easy shot and it's pretty much a guarantee but she has that moment of doubt like there's just that Mm. like a streak of insecurity to avery um and also like as, as we already sort of touched on like she's using all her senses she's taking this quite seriously for a sport she doesn't really play like she's someone who sort of puts all the effort in and i think that's maybe part of why there's this instinct from her for a little bit to just be like oh i should just you know um you know like do everything i can you know especially yeah. in that way that's contrasted with verona who's just fucking standing up the back 
wanting to sit down, like doing exactly what I used to do in <laughs> PE, which is just not do it. Yeah. Yeah, Verona is that classic child in school who is so passionate and dedicated to the thing that she cares about, but the modern school system just doesn't provide her the opportunity to do the thing that she cares about, which is magic in school. <laughs> and that's a failure. The fact that they don't teach magic in American middle schools is well, really a Canadian. And in Diamond. I'm sure the Americans sorry, have can, it yeah, Sorry, you're right. Um, yeah, that's true. They do do it in, in America. This is Canada's just backwards, <laughs> I guess, in there. Um, no, but like, yeah, uh, you know, Verona's doing like a Daria impression um for, for this lesson and um yeah actually never mind we'll get to verona plenty uh next chapter. yes that's true <laughs> get back to verona's head in a moment um i do like though like i i just want to call out that one line that verona has where she she comments on the fact that avery's cheating and and when she's sort of called on it she's like oh she practices at stuff um it's ridiculous and i'm calling it cheating and like i that that's such good double speak like I was just like, oh, that's mm. so good because it's she, she's she's practicing, but also, like, yeah, I like it just worked on on both levels, and I was just like, that's fucking like Verona is freakishly good at some of this stuff. I was like, that is so <laughs> clever, and um, yeah, yeah, you know, worried the worried practice the practice double meaning is really great. It's um, clever, yeah. I I really love the the all of the like double speak in this chapter. It's it's so much fun. Like, it makes every mundane conversation so fun because it turns it into a puzzle of, like, okay, how do I get through this conversation without lying but also telling the truth but also I can't tell the <laughs> truth? Like, there's always these levels to every single conversation or interaction they have with a normal human being, and it makes it always so much fun. Yeah, like Avery with her eye where she's just be like, my eye is weird. Weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Yeah, and that's like, can you explain it? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is like a good, good thing. Like, good cover. Yeah, well, deer in the headlights moments are good actually because you can just be like, I don't know, and that can be true. Yeah, yeah, quite easily. Um, and then we get this moment where uh, this well, not a moment, a whole scene between Pamela, who is this girl that Avery <laughs> kind of has a crush on. And Avery, and it's so nice, and I just love Avery so much. Oh, I mean, this bit was just like, uh, it was real, like, teenage beanie across hours. Like, it was so, it was a mix of heartwarming and also, like, just relatably cringy. Like, just the, the mm. awkwardness around, the awkwardness she has around Pam, you know, just took me back to being that age very effectively. Um, mm. I hated and loved it at the same time. It was great. I loved it. Only love here <laughs> for me. Um, uh, the other thing that I think comes up in this conversation as well, so Avery starts actually inspecting all the connections, as you mentioned, um, and she she particularly notes that like all the connections from the boys in the class um, like thin out as they get to her to yeah. the point where they're like non-existent, and that just yeah. stood out to me because like the connections are thinning out on her end. Which mm. to me would symbolize like it's her end of the connection that's weak. And, like, yeah, definitely. It's her not kind of putting in the effort to make that connection more solid. Yeah, and obviously, like with 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 Avery and the boys, there's that element where she's not romantically interested in them. But it just sort of got me thinking. Like, there's all this stuff going on with Avery and about how she's you know she's lonely and, and all that. And I think there's an element to that of like she is not reaching out and like she's understandably scared too like i think she's still 
a bit scarred by the way her best friend, um, whose name I've forgotten, her old hockey mm. friend, um, yeah, sort of like left her, and and so she's she's been left. I don't think she's she's probably like you know just a bit paranoid, understandably, of being rejected and and left. So she's not reaching out, and and like that makes sense if you think about the whole thing she did with not wanting to speak to anyone. Like she talks about how mm. she already kind of liked Pamela, and Pamela was talking like badly about herself. And Avery was like, oh, you know, that's wrong. But she didn't say anything because she was doing that stupid challenge where she didn't want to talk. Mm. So it, it's kind of like, like, I think one of the biggest hurdles Avery has to overcome is that I think she needs to try harder to, to you know, form these connections. Like, I think she's just kind of expecting or wanting to just suddenly be connected to someone, but not really wanting to actually put herself out there to try and form that connection. Yeah, I definitely feel that. The the idea that Avery, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not blaming her for the circumstances she was in, but the fact that she doesn't seem to put in a huge amount of effort into her personal connections, um, possibly with the exception of the Kenneteers, but even that, like, it seems like she's the third wheel, well, even though Verona and Lucy make overtures to, like, push that, image away i guess i mean that's the thing they do seem to be the only one she's kind of really formed a strong bond with and put effort in um but there's like magical shenanigans going on there like you know presumably the spirits are are maybe trying to keep them together but even outside of that there's like she kind of knows they're stuck together so there's that security like you know yeah true she's not that probably makes it easier for her the fact that there's no like they're just gonna leave me. Yeah, they, they can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a there's a sort of safety to that relationship that I think probably helped a lot. Um, yeah. And yeah, like and that's the thing. They're they're the only ones. Like we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's obviously this scene with Mia uh, later, mm. and, and Mia kind of gives her this standing invitation to, you know, come hang out at parties. And Avery is very resistant to the idea of saying yes, and and she she does have that one reason where she she doesn't want to sort of be like you know the the sort of token lesbian. And I don't know enough about Mia to sort of be willing to come down on whether that's like fair of Avery, but like either way, you know, it's like she seen she did she did kind of seem to be avoiding saying yes and signing up to actually trying to strengthen these connections. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if it's intentional, if it is just kind of low self esteem, meaning that she kind of you know is caught in that cycle of oh they're just like being nice or you know she has this interaction with Mia that you've referenced where Mia. I mean, it's an okay interaction it's fine and then after she leaves the bathroom she kind of has this thought of she's expecting to see mia like standing next to some other girls giggling or laughing at her right yeah yeah um and so possibly she is doing this self-sabotage thing where it's like oh they 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 don't actually want to be my friend they're just being nice or just trying to dig for information about who's gay in class or whatever right yeah or they just want me you know to have like a lesbian around so i think like yeah exactly they just want to appear cool or whatever it is yeah so like yeah that's the thing like, i that would sort of be my guess at the moment is like i think uh, the image i'm forming of avery is someone who is yeah too too scared to to put in the effort on her end on the connections right now and i i get why it's happening but it's like you know it just sucks to see yeah definitely um yeah Anyway, uh, so <laughs> enough about this poor game. So Avery's <laughs> sitting on the bench and uh, she's kind of got thorough use out of her sight and so she turns it off, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
she she remains remarkably calm, I think, in this situation compared to what I probably yeah. would have done. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, so it's a great escalation. It's a great, like, it's a great way of hammering home even more so the rules of this, like, you just don't understand the rules of this world yet. <laughs> you need to know the rules of this world before you, you know, overuse magic. Like, you're you're diving in too deep. Even to, like, very minor things. Yeah, it's kind of like every time we find out about something in this world, we then quickly find out the pitfalls and the problems with, like, overindulging with it. Like, this isn't just sort of an easy ticket to getting everything you want. Whatever we find out about XYZ, there's always some catch to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I mean, it seems like that trend is going to continue. Which we'll talk about the gifts in a second, I guess. Yeah, but that's why I'm interested to 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 put a pin in until. Um, then we get to this scene that we, we've mentioned with Mia, which is good. I mean, Mia comes in maybe a bit hot, but it's a pretty good sentiment overall. So good job, Mia. Thumbs up. Yeah, I'm not going to come down too hard on like another 13 year old for not necessarily having the best tact to open a conversation like this. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Overall, seems like pretty cool move by Mia. Um. Mm-hmm. No wonder she won class ranger. She seems pretty yep. neat. She seems nice. Um, yeah, yeah, she seemed nice. It was good. It was a good sentiment. Yeah. Every could have friends, but she chooses not to. <laughs> um, I, I think the other thing we should talk about as we wrap up um, this PA period is like there's obviously Mr. Bader, Mr. Bader. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce that. Um, but he, he like, you know, he has some moments with Lucy um, that... I mean, something we didn't talk about too much that, like, I saw, like, a lot of people sort of talking about after 1.6 was, like, the potentially racial angle to a lot of the, like, problems Lucy and her mum are hitting. And I Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to talk about it much because it's like, you know, I'm a white guy down in Australia. Um, It's not exactly something I can have much say on or, you know, talk about well. Um, But I... you know, it's coming up again in this chapter. I think it'd be weird to not talk about it at all. So, like, there's definitely something like that going on. Like, there's there's this... Yeah, there there is, isn't it? Like, the fact that Lucy was last in class ranker, which isn't necessarily a problem, but she is the only uh, the only black kid in her class, right? And the, the hair stuff, which is obviously yeah. a bit dodgy in this chapter. I, I don't know much Mr. about the hair stuff, but, like, like what, what, what do I do now and what we saw in, like, Lucy's stuff? Like... It, it kind of seems like at best, uh, this Mr. Bader is like ignorant. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just like it, in Lucy's chapter, she brought up like a teacher who like always seemed to pick on her, and and you could kind of see that from Mr. Bader here as well. So, yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, like I, I know there, there seems to be something there, and, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but like, yeah, I, like, I, I don't know, it's 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 hardly something I have too much experience with, yeah. I- just as a quick thought, though, this actually, unlike almost everything else in this story, this doesn't feel like something that's going to resolve into, oh, and it's some magical practitioner thing. It just yeah. feels like it's just like a shitty part of of Lucy and and her par- her mum's life, right? Yeah, I mean, I I would say there are more things like that, but you know. I mean, uh, you, you have been building magical conspiracies on top no. of all those. So that's apart fine. from this one thing, everything is because <laughs> everything apart from this one thing is because <laughs> Verona's dad is a practitioner, <laughs> and you're just gonna have to accept it. 
Okay, okay. So, yeah, so guided by Lucy, the, the girls head off and Lucy kind of leads them to the senior that she notices who has participated in the Hungry Choir's ritual and she is missing a number of body parts as a result. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah, I, I think what's also great is like Verona's been doing a bit of talking to people and she's figured out that with this flyer, only some people can read it and other people can't. And like, you know, it's the people at risk who can read it, right? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what the criteria are for someone who's at risk, but that's my assumption is that it's the people at risk. Um, which is like, congratulations to everyone who couldn't read the flyer. Um, we had that one user, like, oh, John, uh, last week yeah. who predicted it all. So, oh, John should be worried, but I think- Yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> the rest the rest of us are fine because we couldn't make out shit. Thank God. Yeah, the more you can make out the flyer, I think the, the worse of a position you're in. Yeah. It was like a, a twist, a little twist. So, um, um, sorry, oh, John, um, yeah, sorry. you know, best of luck in the ritual, I guess. Yeah. So this woman, this, this, this senior, this girl is, is missing an eye, some fingers, like a toe or something that's making a limp, presumably. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. they've been eaten, right? Yeah. Like someone's eaten those bits of her body <laughs> and snapped her fingers like a carrot. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? Why would you do this? <laughs> what? What possible reason is there to participate in this ritual? Like, I, you know, we when we learned about the ritual incarnates or whatever, um, we learned that they have a cost or a risk, but have some kind of prize or reward at the end of them. And I, what could we the haven't found out what that is yet? Exactly right. <laughs> uh, we haven't found out what it is, but it has to be something that makes people want to risk like very bad injuries and. Actually, the fact that we haven't found out what it is yet kind of makes me nervous that it's going to be some reward that really appeals to one of our trio, and it's going to make it hard for them to not get involved. Yeah, I my my guess is I'm still tying it to this this singing show idea, and it might, yeah, the only thing I can think of that kind of links um like hunger and and greed with singing is is like celebrity famous. Like I'm guessing that if you make it through all eight days in the ritual, you're promised to become, like, some sort of celebrity or something. Mm. Um, mm. And, then you know, that's essentially the premise of these singing shows. Uh, my current guess, like, my current prediction is, uh, you know, we're going to rock up at this ritual in the next chapter or two and one of Sheridan's... Oh, sorry, one of Avery's siblings, probably Sheridan, um, also known as Stephanie, mm. uh, will <laughs> will be there and will be partaking we'll be in that. We'll yeah. completely shoot down any idea... Because the Kennedys still somehow believe that they're just going to watch and not participate, which is ludicrous. It's but yeah. like you know, Sheridan slash Stephanie being there, I think would you know just completely like throw that on its head. I think the other one to me that makes sense, even though this does counteract my very correct theory, you're not going to say Verona's dad. dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean he's like clearly in a bad place, and he mentions in the next chapter that he has somewhere to go. That night, um, doesn't he? I forgot that. Doesn't yeah. he say yes? He's oh, but that is the day before. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe his um, part-time job is working for the. <laughs> <choir>. yeah, <maybe. laughs> if that turns out to be the truth, I'm going to count that as a win for my for my prediction. Yeah, you, by you, the you way. can have it because I don't want it. Um, um, but yeah, I, like I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty with you that there's. I mean, just even just like 
the concept of how stories work means that it can't just be they're going to go and just observe <laughs> and not do anything else. Like, that would be insane to me. Um, yeah, but, yeah, no, wait, this, yeah, this ritual is so fascinating. I'm going to have to assume that you can't quit once you start. Like, it's going to have... Yeah. One of the rules is going to have to be once you're in... Once you're, you're in, you're in. Because um, yeah. otherwise, wait, you'd fucking quit, right? Like, you'd probably do the you'd one bet. night, you oh, lose 100%. some fingers, and you're like, well, I'm fucking out. Yeah, because we, f- we see this senior who clearly got tempted into it, and knows that she's just going to die. Like, she has accepted her death. Yeah. I can't wait to learn more about what the actual challenge is, because, like, I think one of the big concepts is, like, these rituals, they get power from people coming in, and they kind of lose it from people winning. Yeah. Um, so, like, it has to be really hard to win, and I can't wait to see, yeah. like, what just what it is and, and how, like, presumably the way to beat it, the Hungry Kai, because something that's been hit multiple times throughout these these chapters is... You can't just like beat the hungry choir by overpowering it. Mm. So I think the way they're gonna have to beat it is like help everyone doing the ritual to actually win. Um yeah, I can't wait to find yeah. out like more of the Rig rules it. so we can start to predict like what the loophole is that the Kenneteers can help everyone take advantage of to win. And yeah. how they can do that oh. in a way that isn't hurting the choir, uh, in a way they can be held accountable yeah, for. Exactly. Um what we know so far is it relates to singing, it relates to eating. Um, it's you have to Presumably you have to do it like eight times or something. <laughs> cannibalism as well, perhaps auto cannibalism, um, possibly, possibly. Yeah, if you don't sing well enough, you have to what bite off one of your fingers. Yeah, yeah, and then there's yeah, you're right. There's the eight. <laughs> there's the eight nights that you have to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably pretty tough to win. <laughs> I would think. Um. Anyway, so next up, the girls call out to Miss to to kind of interview her. Um, and she gives very cagey answers, but then <laughs> makes up for it with some nice, definitely not trap gifts. Yeah, completely on the level. Um, I mean, I, I love the explanation for what happened to Avery here. So we, we do kind of quickly get Mrs. Guess as to what happened, which is, um, you know, th- this is the magic of this world works on like establishing patterns and, and routines. Mm-hmm. And that's not just an external thing for the spirits. You Like, you know, the way... The way Miss describes it, like a soul or or like a person, is a kind of complex spirit in a way, and and so that's manipulable too. So like if you establish a yeah. pattern for yourself, it it becomes ingrained in the same way that external patterns do, which like, makes so much sense. But it's the kind of thing I don't you, you wouldn't think about until your sight stays on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so fun because it, it, it's like you know I think just from like a, a sort of metatextual charactery perspective, like. This idea that you're, you know, you're changing yourself as much as you're, you're changing the outside world when you do things. Yeah, it, it's like it, you know, it's enhancing that storytelling thing. Like the the things you do impact you as well. In, yeah, you know, you know, again in an other verse, physical way, which is very fun. Yeah, like characters are defined by their actions, right? Your character yes. is defined by your action, literally. Yeah, um, like presumably, if you're like I don't know, going around killing people, like that's doing something to your self your soul in this world and and you know that's like just another great sort of story device yeah um avery describes her site again here and it's wild um <laughs> should we we'll get to it i guess we'll get to it next chapter yeah yeah she's got, she's got a whole chapter wild. of using of it basically so we yeah can talk about it um <sighs> but yeah i mean the one thing we do get here is miss again kind of confirms like, she just never says like yes or no in a way that i like um, but she does kind of confirm that all these daggers 
handprints um, and meat bunnies under film um, are like sort of just signs of like the latent energy of violence or whatever that's yeah. just hanging over the area without the carmine beast to keep it in order. Yeah. Um, so like, I, yeah, I, like, I just, you know, it's good to know that we're thinking in the right direction, but like, it still feels like there's going to be something like, can you use them? If there's all these extra, if there's all this extra energy floating around, can you use it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember back at the very start of this story, the group of others talked about how the fact that this energy was like, this energy was still in Kennet and that's the prime reason that they think yeah. it's one of the others who's done it. So presumably you can't use that energy because presumably that energy is like, I don't know, being co-opted by whoever killed the Carmine Beast. Or, but or it's is like unclaimed tell. but could be claimed by yeah. them. Is it, maybe it's unclaimed but it's like it, it, claiming it would be dangerous because it implies that you killed the Carmine Beast and brings some other problems on your head or something like that. Yeah. Well, that that's one of the things Miss, Miss talks about, like, like um, to just sort of jump into talking more about the Miss conversation. She sort of says she's not going to tell them who is responsible, even though she she has a pretty good suspicion. Yeah, she she's she's got a strong suspicion, but she won't actually say it. And like her reasoning is, if she tells them, then whoever did it will sort of know and panic, and like do the whole thing where they sort of take the Carmine Beast energy and claim the spot, and they'll probably mm. do it in a real dirty, messy way. Yeah. But if she doesn't tell them, then she says <laughs> what's going to happen is the the other three will nominate John, and then whoever did it will gather all the power, kill John, and take the position anyway. So, so why is she not so telling? Why them? Not, like either yeah. way, because she hates John is the answer. She wants John dead. <laughs> it's the only explanation. Yeah, like, the, like the, the, it it doesn't make sense to me. The end result is still that the person completes their bloody coup and ends up in the position. Um, the only difference is that John dies if she waits, and also, she says multiple times throughout this, the longer there is no Carmine Beast, like, the worse and the less stable things are in the region. So, yeah. like, for me, this is, like, the first time I've actually started to believe that there's something up with Miss, that she's genuinely sus, because I was like, this answer is bullshit, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, your reason for not telling them actually makes you seem, like, more guilty, because it seems like you're playing into the hands of whoever on purpose yeah um miss gives a few interesting answers here right um the fa she confirms that they're being watched which we kind of put together based on yeah what's already been going on um but she won't say why she she does confirm it's not just for their protection though so that's good miss she does say it is really... partially for their protection though so that's yes not it's totally terrible I mean, miss yeah but it's also not just for that like Partially for their protection means it's 1% their protection and 99% so <laughs> they don't find out for Ernest's dad as a practitioner. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, like yeah, I, like, my, my assumption is that the main reason is that she wants to make sure they're not actually getting too powerful or too good. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, I, I mean, that's been a consistent through line with all the others is they're all kind of terrified of what the, the Kennedys could turn into. Yeah, definitely. They don't want them to get too powerful. Yeah. Um, and it kind of leads to this situation where they keep like running into these problems like Avery fucking up her sight or all these things where they'll get taught the lesson afterwards but only after they've already run headfirst into the problem <laughs> yeah i mean miss brings up that there's this book called essentials and she's like yeah, yeah basically all the good practitioner families 
uh, give it to, you know, new practitioners before they awaken so they can kind of understand the world before they come into it. Um, but we, I, she, she doesn't say we can't. She's like, we are not in a position to give you that, which again uh-huh. just feels like a we don't want to answer to me, yeah. but in a way that's phrased so it doesn't sound like we don't want to. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also we get to this point where they ask what Miss is, and she declines to answer that because <laughs> she doesn't trust the Kenneteers. Um, Lucy and Verona both guess incorrectly, and Avery saves her guess, which invariably means it's going to pay off and she'll guess it correctly. And <laughs> this will name Miss and save the entire town from exploding or whatever. Um, but I do, I do think Miss is probably a hide behind based on our monster corner from a few weeks ago. I, I actually like. I don't anymore. Like ever since we started, oh, really? even before we started to do that monster corner, I, I've been doubting it more and more. Like I think I, I, I'm still sort of zoning in on this idea of of pale dealing a lot with like justice and consequences. Um, mm. and, and you know, if a lot of the others in town are sort of meant to represent, you know, the various consequences of humanity's actions, or like we talked about the hungry choir and John being, like, is she some sort of embodiment of? like hiding secrets i mean maybe mm. this isn't a totally different idea to the hide behinds but i'm just I, like i don't know i could see her being someone who is yeah like this embodiment of not telling the whole truth or keeping a secret or deception or something and i just especially because she's kind of the police chief for our three detectives here i think that that's just so hilarious as like to have your police chief be someone who's literally the embodiment of not telling them everything they need to know <laughs> You're right, that is a pretty funny idea. I like the theory, and it works quite nicely with the the murder mystery aspect if she's literally, like, an enigma. It, right? it, it doesn't feel like the whole thing, though. Like, it's going to be that thing where, like, you know, there's that extra wild twist on it, if it is right. Um, yeah. That'll be like, oh, that's even cooler. Yeah. Um, here's a possibility. This was uh, posted in the Doof Media Discord by a user called Silfrina, uh, and I'm just going to read out with their message. I'm pretty suspicious Miss Hardy is involved in the practice to some extent. She's been brought up by Avery on multiple occasions, but we haven't actually seen her yet. Or have we? Consider, we have an other named Miss whose face we've never seen, whose name also starts with Miss. Hmm? Miss Hardy, who is mysteriously absent since the start <laughs> of the story. Um, so... I'm convinced Miss Hardy is Miss. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen them in the same room. It's true. I know, right? Um, um, also, we've never seen Charles and Verona's dad in the same room. <laughs> Jesus. Um, what does that tell Yeah, you? it doesn't seem like the sort of thing Verona would notice. Actually, she might not, considering she their relationship. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a thing over in Canada, but, like, you know, at my school here in Australia, we had to call the male teachers Sir and the female teachers Miss. So, mm. you know... Uh, have her having them actually just straight up call her miss like they probably have to at school um w- would just be hilarious um that's not actually what she goes by in the other circles but they just called her miss one time yeah. and she, she rolled with it this might be a bit too galaxy brown for me to get on board with um <laughs> but- that's what we do here that's that's my role here in this show i believe is going for the the big plays um yeah, you're going for the high risk, high reward strategy, and I respect it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I think the the other theory I saw people mentioning is that she's one of the um, the lost, which is something that's brought up in Avery's gift, mm. um, especially because you know Avery's the one with the guess left, and if she's the one who's going to be doing this stuff 
you know, that helps people get lost, um, with a capital L, um, you know, who knows? I mean, and, you know, miss could be short yeah. for missing. Um, oh shit. That's good. <laughs> I think the, the bit that jumped out to me is when, uh, I think it's Lucy guesses complex spirit as, as what she is. She mm. sort of says no. And, and she's kind of like, you know, she sort of laments the fact that unlike a spirit, she can't grow or shrink. Like she is who she is. And she also doesn't have like a home, mm. uh, which, you know, probably leads into that lost theory. Like, you know, she's just stuck and un- unhinged would be my interpretation of what lost could be. Yeah. Um, like she's lost her grounding, so she doesn't have a home and she also can't grow or shrink because she's just not attached anymore. Or, yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Mm. I- I'm going to stick to my embodiment of deception theory for now, but the lost uh, theory I- actually. Like, yeah. The lost theory good. is convincing me pretty good the fact that miss is short for missing is just so <laughs> it's the exact kind of simple little wordplay that that wabo loves yeah it, it it's it, it'd be good if that's it um so miss also leaves them with some gifts and let's talk about these <laughs> gifts um they are pretty bad <laughs> i mean like uh, Okay. I mean, this the, ter- the a... term "double-edged sword" springs to mind. Right. Yeah. And and they here's the thing for me is we've we've kind of touched on each of the flaws that these characters have a, a few times over the course of this story, and they even they immediately realize these gifts are explicitly playing into their flaws. Quite obvious. Yes. And then the next chapter is them just using them a whole bunch anyway, <laughs> like experimenting with them, all kinds of shit, and it's like. I'm immediately when I saw that in the next chapter, I was like, God damn, what are you doing? <laughs> like you literally just had an experience of realizing you were too, like literally every day since they've awakened, they've had like two experiences of, Oh, we're so in over our head. I thought I knew how in over our head we were yesterday, but today I realize it's even more. And yet they just keep doing it. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's talk about the gifts specifically as well. Cause, cause they're yeah. quite fun. So Verona yeah. gets like details on uh, a nearby sort of Hogwarts, which just yeah. Quick aside, please, Wabo, p- please let us go there. Oh, I mean, it's it, it is just hey, you know that escapist fantasy that every thirteen <laughs> year old child has. Here's that for you. Yeah, uh, you're not like about to you know run away from your life or anything, are you, Verona? Because this would <laughs> probably be a bad gift to give to somebody who's about to do that. Unhappy home life. Oh boy. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah. again, like she all, she also brings up the potential downside of like it's school. Like she's going to go there, and it's not going to be Hogwarts. I know. It's going to be a fucking drill sergeant school. Yeah. And she's yeah. going to be fucking miserable. Um. Oh. She also gets the feather, which maybe we should touch on more. Like when she starts playing with it. Um. Yep. Next. Next chapter. Yep. It's it's an interesting one. I don't feel like I quite get it yet. Like what it's going to be for. Uh, we're jumping ahead here, but I kind of want to say it's about. I feel like the thing that it's doing and what we see Verona explicitly use it for in her chapter is messing with identities of things. And so then that kind of ties into what we'll get to, which is another potential problem that a problematic path Verona is about to start walking down. That's very true. Of messing with her own identity. So maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing I can think of it being useful for now is like cheating, like homework and report cards and shit, which is very Verona. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. But yeah, I'm sure she'll come up with some stupider and more dangerous way to use it. Um, so Avery gets instructions on how to do this fucking insane ritual that I can't wait to see. 
Um, it seems like it has, like, not a strong benefit at the end of it. Well, we like, don't, basically we don't what... hear anything explicit about what the gains are. We hear a lot about what the risks are. But there's yeah. just, there's like one line that's like, the rewards are great. Like, oh, it'll be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, we well, don't trust you, miss. I don't trust that that is true. Um, yeah. I, but like, like the, the, the brief like snippets of description that we get of this ritual sound pretty fucking fun. So I can't wait to mm. see what it's about because it sounds yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Lucy gets like her little Miss Militia ring. Yes, um, this is the coolest gift by far. I mean, <laughs> again, a problem, but I loved it. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we, we we do get to see a bit of it next chapter, and it, it it's fun. It turns soda cans <laughs> into guns. It's awesome. My favourite is the wooden box that turns into brass knuckles. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good too. Dictionary sword, that's a good one. Um, anyway, so... Yep. That's the end of 1.7. The the trio realize that these gifts are problematic, and then 1.8 obviously has to open with them immediately using them flagrantly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before then, I guess we start with Rona mowing the lawn, sight on. Yeah, before we get into the whole sight on part, um, this mowing of the lawn, like, I know Verona's a bit of a, like, you know, she's not not Captain Motivation, but... Mm -hmm. um, this actually does sound like the worst. Like, there's mowing the lawn, and then there's mowing then the lawn. This. <laughs> like, yeah. this is... I would have given up on this long ago. <laughs> I, I do not have the restraint that Verona does to not just fuck this, <laughs> fuck this thing up, you know? Yeah, like, the, bit, the bits where she's, like, fantasizing about just, like, lighting the whole garden up in, like, a plume of smoke. I was like, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, this, do it. this mower do it, is heavy, it's broken, it's corded, <laughs> yeah. which I've never seen a corded mower before, but, like, Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Um, but yeah, it, so yeah, you can uh, chop up your own cord, obviously. <laughs> like it's Convenient. just yeah. Like normally, I'm a bit like, oh, Verona, you know, you're so lazy. But for this one, yeah. I was like, no, okay, no, Verona's being completely fair. This is bullshit. Yeah, even even um, like factoring in that we're seeing it from her perspective, I was still like, this is dumb. Yeah. So when I first read this chapter, the first note that I wrote down was. Right off the bat, Verona is using her sight to do the mowing. Did she learn nothing from Avery's ordeal last chapter? And she then, of did. course, the, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> she did learn something from Avery's ordeal last chapter. Oh god, I love that. I walked into it being like Verona. How could you be so stupid? And then she's not. I mean, she is being stupid, but not in the way that I thought. <laughs> yeah. In a very much different and worse way. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, Verona thinks about making a giant like fire rune in the uh, in the grass, which would be hilarious, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, we haven't seen like big diagrams. Like I assume yeah. the big diagrams are more powerful. Like I'm I'm now picturing like crop circles being some practitioner farmer's like you know big attempt to <laughs> fucking like call rain in or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, the thing I liked about this was um was that we've kind of from Lucy and Avery's head we've seen when Verona has crazy ideas that she puts into practice but these are the crazy ideas that are so crazy that she doesn't even put them into practice and I love seeing some of them it's great yeah I mean she's just kind of always in that mode um yeah. of just like thinking about the mechanics of of this world and how she can exploit them yeah definitely um the other thing that we realize pretty quickly here is Verona's headspace is not great following um like the class ranker 
debacle. Uh, we know this already is the case for Avery and Lucy, but we see that it's also pretty messed up for Verona. Yeah, and, and sort of as we talked about, like right after it happened, hers is a bit like less direct than theirs in how it's gotten yes. to her. But um, like, it's interesting how this chapter kind of changed my perception of Verona a fair bit. Um, I I kind of had this impression that like the folly she'd gotten into was um not taking it seriously. Mm. Um, but it's like that's not it. She she did take it seriously. Like you know, there's all this stuff that happens with Wallace here in in this section. But like she's just. I mean, we'll get to it more, but, like, her parental situation has kind of just, like, scarred her emotionally yeah. and made her attribute, yeah. like, being close to someone or romantically involved with someone as just, like, being in drag. And she's been so trapped in, in this situation with her dad that she's, you know, she's valuing all these concepts of freedom to, like, you know, a very extreme extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um she she has this beat a few times of thinking about like what is the point of dating all that that would do is get you to a situation where you what have to live with somebody like which is the worst yeah and, and like you know at first like I, and i definitely saw other people do this having like a brief read of like oh is she like you know aromantic or something yeah that was my first thought too but i don't think i, I think you're right that it's more just she doesn't have good role models for adult relationships and so she she kind of sees relationships as what happened to her parents right which yeah. is well not, a, a really messy terrible situation and not not just that but like her relationship with her well, dad yes her and her dad as well is yeah. is like a relationship that has like left her feeling trapped so yeah. she she just associates yeah living with someone and being like involved with someone as like a relationship that traps you and she even sort yeah. of says this. She goes like over to Lucy's place, and she's like, "Thank God we don't live together." Mm. And it's because like it, it, this, her head, her headspace is now yeah one where it's like you know she associates yeah being family or living with someone as being trapped with. Um, you know what it reminds me. And, and and it's you know, but she, she has those other moments where she's like you know she does have a great relationship with like Lucy and her mum. Yeah, she's a little disappointed when Wallace actually doesn't come over, which is like when I sort of dropped the like potential aromantic theory like i think yes. it's just she like she's just been you know her just destroyed by you know this situation with her parents what it is elliot is you know that meme where people posted this towards the start of lockdown posted like oh now i have to spend more time with my husband or whatever right yeah it's like she's seen those memes and it's like, yeah, that is what relationships are like, without realizing that that's a marker for a really bad relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then again, like, you know, you turn to the relationships in her life and it's like, well, you got to stay at home with well, your dad. Yeah. yeah I, I, of course, I'm not knocking, like, it's totally understandable where this has come from. But um, mm. yeah, uh, let's let's move on to, um, I want to talk about this, the fact that, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I want to talk about the fact that the first part of this chapter is her fighting against technology. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough here to put my finger on yet, but just something to keep an eye on that. It, it, we haven't seen a lot of how technology interacts with the practice in this universe. Right. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of Dresden files where magic in the Dresden files is like against technology. And I, I don't know if that's to, to the same extent what it is in pact, but, the fact that Verona is so, uh, so what, so so intuitively good at at practicing, 
and seems to struggle with this giant piece of technology. It just makes me think maybe we're starting to bring up some themes of how technology interacts with the practice and that we kind of hit that with the Hungry Choir and the website and some of these other things where I'm just kind of, I don't know, it's just something interesting to keep an eye on as this theme starts to emerge. Yeah, because something that was mentioned was things like the living rituals, like the Hungry Choir, are like sort of growing things to things like the internet. Um, and if you sort of think about it, it would have been a lot harder for something like the Hungry Choir to operate over a huge chunk of Ontario yeah, definitely. before the internet. Um, yeah. Um, I, like, I guess the thing that I, I sort of come to when I was thinking about technology, like if this is a world where everything is formed through like patterns and repetition, I could see technology being kind of antithetical to that in some ways because technology like evolves and is discarded so quickly. Like if you think about mm. it, like, you know, just as you're starting to develop patterns around, you know, like Windows 98, suddenly everyone's using iPhones you know what i mean so there's like you know it, it's all just sort of technology's moving too quickly for the magic of pale to really kind of work into it yeah that makes sense to me um yeah i like that i like that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it because again i don't know if that fully tracks with the idea that like ritual incarnates are on the rise because of the birth of the fucking internet like creepy pastors or whatever <laughs> um but it, it's something that's interesting, and I, I'm interested to see more of where it goes. Yeah. Well, I guess the other angle to that is is technology, you know, does kind of change the way we interact, right? So, like, the you know, mm, the rituals sprout yeah. up more because of things like forums and, and creepypasta, and yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's how it fits in. Like, the way technology has changed how we interact with people, um, or with each other. Maybe that's maybe that's sort of the angle to it. You got things like mm. class ranker, like that just wouldn't really happen without smartphones. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it, it's a bit of both then. It's a bit of, it, it's both a, a, like a place that disrupts, but also kind of doesn't have the same amount of weight behind it because it is so, I guess, mobile. Yeah, what we're seeing is new patterns being etched out into the, the rules of this universe. Mm. Interesting. Okay, Um. yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, so Verona finishes the lawn mowing, good stuff, Verona, and she uh, obviously goes straight to working on her favourite pastime, which is practitioner experimentation. Not that great a job because you know the first thing her dad's able to do is criticise. Oh, it, so I know. Clearly, that's on her. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You're right. We're totally on her dad's side in that <laughs> in that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, no, no, no. I I do love this though. That there's this sense of it's just like the second it's kind of done, it's yeah. like chores done. That's it. I'm off yeah. to the fun stuff. And she, she runs inside and grabs her pen. Well, okay. Let me read this out. Okay. So here's the line. She goes, she puts away the thing and then it goes, then marched into the house. Then the next line, she exited the house, feather in hand. There's literally no beats inside the house. And this kind of jumped out to me on my first read as like, it just felt a little off. It's a like, very abrupt, like, yes. she's in and she's out. Like, it, it, you know, it could have just been, she went into the house and got her feather. Yeah, and on my first read, I, I kind of put a pin in this, and then coming back to it, it feels like it's showing us the, and based on what happens later, it feels like it's showing us the house, like, not having any sense of interest for her. Like, there's no interest to, literally nothing of interest happens to her inside that house. And so, of course, it's just kind of edited out of her internal narration. Um, and, and it kind of, even in the context of how this chapter goes on, it's this this is maybe the first beat of Verona kind of losing touch with the 
the human aspects of her life. Yeah, I I really like that. Like the second I sort of saw that in your notes, I was like, yes, because um, you're right. Like her her house and her dad represent like her shitty human life. That's pretty much a beat we hit pretty consistently in this chapter. Is it's like the further away she is from the house, the happier she is. And it's like every time she comes back to the house, she, like she gets real and she's you know understandably like sort of miserable again. So mm. viewing the the house and her her dad as this sort of metaphor for the human part of her life and the fact that she's just starting to kind of ignore it, I think is probably spot on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, okay. I wish we could just skip all the parts with her chat, but we can't. <laughs> we got to talk about them. They're in the notes. We got to talk about them. I know. Um, we get another interaction between Frodo and her dad and like, it's fine. It's not, it's, <laughs> Better than the later ones, at least. <laughs> like, they're clearly unhappy. I'm not going to blame Verona for that because she's a child and her dad is an adult and he's clearly not doing great. But, yeah, the things we said before about Verona not being great with people obviously applies here as well. Um, and it just is, like, a clearly unhappy and toxic situation for them. And that's that. Yeah, like, she's not equipped to give him the support he needs uh, again, you can kind of blame him and her mum for that yeah. as well, yeah. Because um, they they didn't equip her with them. Um, but it's like, yeah, he like, yeah, he he just needs help, and she's not able to give it because he hasn't given her the help she needed growing up. Um, uh, there's like, I, I think it's interesting how this conversation sets up the next one. Um, because something I yeah. sort of noticed even in this one on my first read through is there's no way they they start to have this conversation and you can already tell like it's just forced and put on like like you know verona's dad will ask her a question about her life and she sort of answers and he just uses it as a launching point to talk about like his own problems and he doesn't address them and then she will just sort of turn it straight back to her with like yeah well you know i am saying blah 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 and he's like yep i'm just saying that in my experience like what so there's like neither of them seem interested in, in what the other is saying um or like caring about what the other one is going through basically um the one line we start to get a shred of empathy is this line where verona worries she's going to say something sarcastic so she mentally for a second considers what it would be like to work her dad's job and then just uses it so she can get away with saying this sarcastic comment of gee i wonder what it's like to go into work every day (laughs) yeah Um, this was so sad when when she almost she almost empathized with him and then it just didn't. Yeah. yeah. It was all just so she could snark at him. Um yeah, like like you can almost see the the bit where she runs like she she sort of just changes the topic to dinner. Like as soon as her dad starts, she just sort of she straight up says, like, um, I'm changing the topic, what about dinner? And then as soon as he starts to get that, she's just like, I'm going to Lucy's. Um so I think she and, <sighs> and she talks later about how common this whole thing with her dad breaking down is, oh, which like yeah. Get him, get him help, Verona. Like I know she's thirteen, but like, yeah, an idiot could see he needs help. Um, <sighs> but like, like you know, it's just kind of. I think she like knows that that's where it's going, so she just leaves, and she has that little moment of doubt where she's like, "Oh, should I not?" And then he sort of goes into his room, and so she's just like, "Oh, fuck it, I'm out." Yeah, she decides not to put in the effort here. Yeah. Um, again, can't blame her, but just a bad situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like I don't even I don't even blame her dad that much. Like Yeah. If you if you ask me to pick one, like it's him, but like he's just so destroyed 
the situation <sighs> with yeah. Verona's mum that we get a bit more details on later away is just such it's a mess. Like up. they just yeah. they both need help and neither of them can give it to each other and it's just like yeah, I just feel bad for both of them. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But let's move on to happier thing. Yes. Um, Lucy's house. Yay! Verona heads over to Lucy's house for dinner and has a nice interaction with an adult. So that's good. It's such a contrast. Like the second the conversation starts with with Jasmine, Lucy's mom, you're just like, holy shit, like is this is this the same Verona? Um she's just she's actually a bit like she's not quite vulnerable for herself, but she she kind of is because it's like she knows Lucy will go ape shit if Jasmine doesn't respond to this. So there's like that yeah. that trust in Jasmine she has that she just didn't have in her dad at all. Yeah. Or in fact, like she, because she told him the same information. She mentioned the app to her dad, and her dad. It was one of the things where her dad just ignored what she ignored said it. and told, yeah. talked about his own thing. And she was just like, "Fuck! It doesn't even matter if I tell him about like something really bad." Whereas like Jasmine, it's like she knows Jasmine's going to listen and understand it, but she still has that sort of trust in her. Yeah. This is such a nice interaction, right? Because we've we've kind of ragged on Verena a fair amount for not being. I don't know, good at, at social interaction. But this scene with, with, with Jazz really shows how much she cares about Lucy. Like, we knew that, or like we had been told that, we kind of saw it a bit, but this is so nice. It's the only instance we've really seen of Verona being vulnerable with another human being, and it's because she cares about Lucy. And it's so, it's just so nice to see this, this side of Verona that we don't get to see much. Yeah, and I think it lends credence to this idea that she, you know, would be, you know, more connected to people if her family situation wasn't yeah, such totally. dog shit. Yeah. Um, like the the relationship we ha- she has with with Lucy and Jasmine is yeah, you're right, like so close. And we saw that like in in one point five when John had the thing. Like there was that whole thing. Like Verona wasn't scared for herself; she was just upset because Lucy was upset. Like yeah, it's it's sort of the one good relationship she has yeah yeah and avery i suppose well yeah but even that it doesn't feel as i mean i think they have a good relationship but it doesn't feel i don't think we felt a lot of vulnerability or connection from verona's side no yeah like her relationship with lucy is still like kind of a cornerstone for her yeah yeah in a way in Um, a way that like you know it'd be very difficult for avery to catch up to yes of course um so yeah, they last chapter everyone realized these gifts are probably a trap, and then this chapter they're just kind of using them a bunch. They didn't like they got <laughs> home from school and immediately started playing with their new toys. Um, concerning. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you know if there was doubt that you're meant to be worried about these things, I think that's definitely made clear with the fact that Lucy's makes a gun. Like we just <sighs> we just had a whole chapter about where she's at when it comes to like guns and and violence well and all that yeah stuff. And she then, was just held at gunpoint and yeah then and then miss is like, like hey have a thing that makes guns yeah that turns innocuous items into weapons that yeah. amplifies the cycle of violence good luck lucy <laughs> yeah off you go have fun yeah. um, but having said all that it is very cool <laughs> yes I'd want one. I mean, yeah, like it, it's it's so sick. I spent a while trying to like figure out if there was a pattern for what thing became what object. Mm. Like, because you know, the dictionary becomes a knife, the wooden box becomes brass knuckles, uh, the the gushing granny soda becomes um, a gun. Mm-hmm. Which well, like, gushing granny bullets. <laughs> exactly. So, like, what 
yeah, it, it's just interesting. Like, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, wanting to be able to predict what certain objects would get turned into by the ring. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe a bit of elemental stuff to it. Like, the soda can, metal, metal is kind of newer, newer thing like a gun. I yeah, don't know, but then wood the... is more heavy, heavy yep. melee weapon. Brass knuckles. I don't know. It doesn't quite. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking claws. about how how would you how would you use it if you had to use that object as a weapon? So mm. dictionary, paper cut di- machine. Um, yeah. Uh, well, is that? <laughs> wouldn't you bludgeon someone with a dictionary? I mean, no. Like, you kill what, them. You just it. throw papers at them until they die from paper cut. I mean, well, in my live read, I made a like pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah, joke. that worked. That worked. Like, like you know, if if we're, it's a very symbolic world, and then obviously like a wooden box, that's the bludgeoning thing. So that's where the brass knuckles come in. And then mm-hmm. look, the can, you'd lob it at someone you'd or shoot, shoot them. Some... You'd shake it up and shoot them with the fizz. I, I, I Drop a mentos in there um, and point it at them and hope it <laughs> took care of them. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. It, it it's fun either way. Like it, yeah, yeah, there's that moment where like Lucy does it, and then Verona's like. More, more, more. And I was like, me too. Like, let's just keep, <laughs> wait, let's burn through this thing. I don't give a fuck. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, they have a really fun afternoon or evening, right? And that's yeah. the problem with it to me is they have this great interaction. <laughs> they have this really fun thing. But th- what they're doing while they're having fun is toying, idly toying with magic. Like it's the exact thing that we just saw that they shouldn't do. At least they've got that thing from John as a bit of a power source. That they mm. can tap like yeah. the hot lead. Yeah, Lucy's one was um like the 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 downside to hers is like if she uses it without something like that, it'll drain a lot from her. Yeah. Uh, so at least at least they're taking that barest minimum step of making sure they've got it nearby. Yay! Not not according to the inventory anymore though. But anyway, no, it's in there. Yeah, but I don't think Lucy has it. True. Yeah, I've forgotten who has. It. I think for I think Verona has Verona. it. Okay. Um, like she she takes it to keep experimenting with stuff that night, which is yeah. like fine, but like give it back. Lucy should have it on hand. She's the one with the ring. <laughs> it's the, it's the yeah. easiest. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, then Verona goes home. Oh wait, sorry, we should no. touch on this bit with Avery, right? Yes, because it's, it's so, so like, it's, it's so like good. the most <laughs> normal thirteen year old interaction we've had in this entire story, and it makes me so happy. Yeah, and I like... just want them to be normal thirteen year olds. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just really selling how happy this experience with Lucy is. Like, they just have, you're right, it's just this normal moment where they, like, they embarrass Avery and, and sort of oversell it to her parents to get her to be able to come. And then the three of them, like, they, you know, they have this fun experimenting with their toys until the mum comes home and then it's just like, and then they all sit under a blanket and watch a movie, which Avery wants yeah. to watch. And it's just like, yeah. it was just like, oh, this is, <sighs> just do this. Quit the practitioner stuff. and do this this is so much better um and of course it it just sets you up to you know for verona to go back home like you know we have this massive high of like oh this is just a great evening and then it's like now verona has to go home yes which she does and her dad is tired um yeah i mean yeah i i don't think we have much to say here that isn't covered in yeah the other conversations except like oh her dad i want to here's the thing that i want to talk about here the fact that it feels like time is skipping. You know that episode of Futurama? It's called <laughs> Time Keeps on Slipping. Yeah, and yeah. throughout the episode, time jumps forward again and again by more and more each time. 
Yeah. It feels like that's what's happening here, where the first instance of it was Frona walking inside the house after finishing mowing and then immediately walking out. And now it's like every time she's doing normal human things, we get that moment of like time has just skipped slightly more forward and we've just skipped it. Like we've skipped that part of her life. And it's just the human parts of her life are not capturing her interest and they're just kind of being edited out of her narration because of it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's really interesting because you're right. Like the the thing that is like that makes me think you're you're onto something with that idea here is this section where she goes home. It's like two hundred words between section breaks. Like it's like she she does all the stuff at Lucy's house and then it's like she comes home, uh, is is miserable for like a tiny bit and then we just jump straight to the stuff with Matthew and Edith the next day. Yeah. So yeah. like yeah, you're right. There's a sort of sense of like it it's you know now just a smaller part of the whole picture. Yep. It's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but then we jump forward and Verona's back and uh they're with Edith and Matthew learning more tricks that they might be able to use. Um and they have a good fun time with magic until Lucy confronts Verona a bit worried about her. Yeah, again, it's one of these things like this is becoming a bit of a pattern with Matthew and Edith where like it's like fun family get together stuff that they're doing with them. Like they went on the camping trip. Now they're just having a barbecue in their backyard. Yeah, it's like, like hanging out with their cool aunt and uncle. Yeah, like, you know, all three of them have gaps in their family, like, home situation. Lucy, in in one way the least, because she does have a good relationship with her mum. I think her issue at the moment is it's, like, just her mum. Mm. But it's, like, it, it does kind of feel like Matthew and Edith are trying to slot into this role of like you know the the fun aunt and uncle at the very least of like you know come mm. hang out at our place and we'll do barbecues and all that stuff you're kind of missing and, and that, maybe that's standing out to me a bit more in this verona chapter mm. um but yeah like i don't know it, there's something like it's just like the way these two keep taking them on fun adventures is starting to be like <laughs> uh, i don't trust it yeah, totally. The f- like, it would be great if they were humans. <laughs> the fact that they're not is like, it's it just feels like a manipulation somehow. Yeah, I mean, one of them used to be, so that's some. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess they kind of both used to be. Yeah. Sort uh, of? I don't know. Kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, and then the other thing to talk about here is Avery has made herself some, like, Pegasus boots. Yes. Uh, which is just, like... I mean, she's going to do very well in basketball now. She can. Yeah, she's got down. fucking flubber boots. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the beat of these. Like, just the spirits are such a cool thing. Like, the characterization that air spirits are like playful and fun, but then that yeah. may- means they might just fuck you over in a key moment. Such a fun beat that I hope is never going to come up ever again. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure it won't. Um, yeah, I-, I love how this is used for this idea of like, don't rely on these in an important moment like it's like actually do the opposite like just try to use these when it doesn't matter and it's like okay so what you're telling me is to just develop a pattern of using these things when it's fine and then expect me to not just accidentally i know like instinctively use it in a you know like you know high stakes situation yeah yeah because that's that's Um, something people you know naturally do is when they're in a high stakes situation they're like "Mm, i don't want to use all the tools in my tool belt yeah yeah I'm sure every high-stakes situation resolves with people thinking, well, I'm glad we didn't have to use all the tools and we just solved <laughs> yeah. this situation really easily and really simply. Um, yeah. So then there's this scene with Verona and Lucy uh, where Lucy confronts Verona because she's worried about her, as we all are. And Verona 
kind of responds to Lucy's concerns and kind of just brushes them off. Like Verona kind of makes some points here, but it we're in her head. We can see that Verona never really stops to consider whether Lucy is saying something that has any merit to it. She kind of just brushes it off. And as I was reading this, the phrase that jumped to my mind immediately was, I learned it by watching you, Dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, there's sort of a sense to me that, like, Verona has already made up her mind um, with the, you know, yeeting her humanity thing that she talks about with Miss. So there's this sense of, like, Lucy just doesn't get it and she just doesn't want Lucy to worry. Like, that is the one very genuine thing I believe here that's, like, Verona does not want to hurt Lucy. So she's just sort of like, well, don't worry, you know, I'm still going to be here or whatever. She doesn't commit to actually being human when she does so. But um, yeah, she, you're right. She does kind of disregard Lucy's concerns because she already has this plan in her head and she just doesn't want to tell Lucy because, well, I'm assuming it's, it's one of those situations where it's like she knows Lucy's not going to respond well, so she's going to keep it a secret, Um, <sighs> which, you know, obviously is a great long-term solution to that issue. Yep. I mean, this is the thing about Verona turning into another, right, is like, the most human thing we know about Verona is her connection to Lucy. And so presumably if she's going to become another, that's the thing that's going to have to get dropped. I mean, like if she's losing her humanity, that's the most human thing about her. So yeah, that'll be, um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a whole can of pretty fucked up. Ah, anywho. Um, so Verona heads home, hoping not to run into her dad and she does. And we get this incredibly fucked up scene. Yeah, this is really the the culmination, the the third of the three beat of the dad conversations, um, and oh boy, does it have that third that rule of three power. Uh, uh, yeah, because basically we alternate as Rona does between kind of pitying his him her dad and feeling disgust for him. Um, she feels physical disgust for him, but I feel emotional disgust for him because there's a part where he basically just says to Verona, "Hey, remember your mother doesn't want you." Yeah. And that's just, like, apparently a thing that he talks about all the time with Verona. Like, no wonder she has um, uh, emotional attachment issues if her dad just keeps bringing up that her mother has abandoned her, like, fucking drilling that fucking message home. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, do you just want to leave me and go to the other person who doesn't even want you? Like, yeah, it's, Jesus, it, fuck. Um, it's, and, and, like, you know, and then he brings up, it's like, you know, she gave me an STD, which is just like, that's not what you talk to your 13-year-old daughter about, <laughs> I don't think. Um, <sighs> yeah, I mean, this scene this scene really got to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just, I like, probably more than anything else, I, I, I've, I've had a relationship dynamic in my past, like not to get too personal, that wasn't completely mm. dissimilar to this. Mm. And just seeing these two being stuck in this rut of, hating each other and not being able to help each other and communicate properly just like it really got to me on an emotional level this is some of the strongest feelings i've ever gotten out of a wabo like chapter or just a, a chapter <sighs> of a story ever it, um this yeah. hit me really hard and it, uh these two just they need to get out of each other's lives can we talk to jazz about adopting verona i mean that's so crazy though like i agree with you 100 percent. but at what point is it okay to have a thought of these two just need to get out of each other's lives between a 13-year-old child and her dad. Like, if that's the the point that we're getting to, this is already so fucked up. Yeah, I think it's past that point, honestly. I, I'm already at the point where I'm like, yeah, we need to get her out of here. Uh, it sounds like her mom is actually genuinely a worse prospect. Like, her dad delivered yeah. that uh, information to us very poorly, um, but her mom actually does yeah. sound like a piece of shit of a completely different order to her dad. Um a completely, so, yeah, interesting you said that, Elliot. A completely different type of 
almost like, hmm, wait, hold on, Elliot, what what are you saying? Are I'm not saying, saying anything, but I'm reading your notes right now, and yeah, you can have this. Are you saying that Verona's actually got an other mother? That's not another, that's an other mother. All right. I'm not saying that, but you All are. All right, here we go, here we go. Refinement <laughs> of the theory, refinement <laughs> of the theory, it's coming in. Verona's mum is some kind of other that could pass for human, maybe even miss, we'll, we'll see, put, put a pin in that, and left <laughs> for some kind of magical reasons, and it all tracks, okay, so the STD was like some kind of like, I don't know, radiation or whatever that you might get from sleeping with another, like I'm sure that has some negative impacts on your health, and that's kind of the rational explanation for it, and already, that's why Verona is already kind of towing the line between human and other, because she's half human and half other, and maybe I'm just trying to invent like a fantastical escapist reason that Verona's life isn't shit because humans are just shit. But I think instead <laughs> this is a totally good theory and I think you should accept it. Sure. So then the next <laughs> thing that happens is Verona. <laughs> uh, it just gets worse, Elliot. Oh yeah. my God. This um, is of all the chapters. This is the one that ends to me with just like a, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. every chapter has ended poorly. And this one was the worst of all of them. <laughs> Yes, because yeah, what happens is Verona calls Miss and is like, "Hey, um, can how how can I lose humanity? I don't want it anymore." Yeah, um, and uh, was it? I mean, was it just you, or did her mother? Sorry, I mean Miss also have this Jesus. reaction of like totally just being like accepting this on face value. Like, yep, oh, I yeah. thought that was the case. Here, let me answer some questions for you. Not all of them, but enough that I'm not ruling this out. Like, she doesn't dissuade her. She she kind of. No, she doesn't encourage or dissuade her. She just kind of feeds enough breadcrumbs to keep it going. If Miss isn't trying to give the impression that she's some sort of Machiavellian schemer, she's doing an absolutely atrocious job of it because mm. there was all the stuff last chapter. And then, yeah, in this one, it's sort of like, I, I don't want to be human anymore. And Miss is just like, yeah, figured, um, you know, I can't tell you how to do it, um, but I won't stop you if you're gonna. And mm. it's just like, okay, great. This is yeah. where we are now. Like this is, <sighs> yeah. Um, and there, there's there's this final line as well, which I just love. I just want to also call out where, um, it, she, Verona sort of heads off to meet up with the others, and it just sort of says the hungry choir sang, and the singing reached over Kenneth. Oh, <gasps> so reached out over Kenneth, and it's just yeah, like that's, so ominous. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. Like singing reaching out is just yeah, yeah. It's it's a great cliffhanger yeah i can't wait for this this next chapter i guess while <sighs> while we're doing hot predictions i reckon mm. it's going to be a gabriel interlude chapter oh yeah it's i my, can see that it's my hot prediction um i've got one more wild prediction for you elliot okay and this okay. one's this is a the other predictions i've actually believed to some extent <laughs> this one is a complete bullshit but how Jeez, that's setting like okay sorry i'm just i'm just trying to get into the headspace where i'll yeah. comprehend this if you're other ones are the believable <laughs> ones like just i'm wait. just okay okay so here's the thought this one's just off the it was just kind of came to me throughout the episode okay here's the thought we talk about the idea that miss could be this is kind of an extension this is like if the theory that miss is short for missing and she's one of the lost is like acceptable this is like the What's that theory from Game of Thrones about time traveling babies? Yeah, the, <laughs> this um, is the, yeah, the, the time traveling Tyrion one. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. This is the that version of that. Okay, so here's the thing Miss potentially is somebody who did the ritual that she talked to Avery about and failed, right? Sure. Or, you know, got. Yeah, whatever, she's lost. She's lost yeah. Capital L, yeah. But what if, what if it's not just, what if it's not just that 
misses another person who. Oh God, no! <laughs> okay, well, wait. Who do you think she is? Verona Miss or is Avery? Actually, or Avery. Okay, <laughs> or possibly Verona because Verona also could very feasibly turn into Miss based on how this chapter ends. And I guess Lucy is like. I don't know, fucking John Styles or something. The point is, they're all time travellers, and the others are, like, future versions of the three Kenneteers, and that's what's going on here. Yeah, so after 1.8, obviously, before we go, we need to talk about the inventories. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, extra, interlude. Uh, not interlude, uh, bonus material. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. We, we yeah. never get to see the backpack of the characters, right? And And this story <laughs> is about, like, these, they've already been collecting like tools and trinkets to use, and so it's so good to just get this of like here's here's what tricks they have up their sleeve for this coming <laughs> encounter with the hungry choir, which is totally not going to turn into a into a conflict. Oh yeah, no, they're just going to go and observe, and it'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. Like so, in the in the we've got Ward interview uh, with Wabo that happened recently. One of the mm. things he mentioned is like how he really admires people who are able to excel in like multiple fields. Oh yeah. Um and like he he's doing all the art for this himself as far as I understand. Yeah, so like I, I think so. I mean it's pretty getting there. Bonkers. Like this, this yeah. is a lot better than I could do already and he's yep. already he's already got you know everyone beat in the in the writing category. So this, yeah. yeah. This is interesting to me. I wonder and if we ever get another chance to chat to Wabo, this is a question I have to ask him is I wonder I've heard a fair amount since the we've got Ward interview with him about like his schedule and writing process and and how he kind of spends his day. And I'm kind of curious from a creative perspective if doing the drawings for these for these uh you know bonus bits taps into a different kind of creative muscle than the writing does if it's a way to like mix things up whilst yeah. spending a different creative resource that keeps him fresh and not kind of burning out as much because I'm really enjoying it. And if it's a way to kind of keep his energy up for these kinds of things, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I my guess would be that yes, like it would be, and and like I think it's working for us as well. Like I'm loving it as a way to mix things up on our end as well. Like I think it's a win-win situation. Yeah, totally. Um, like this this has been so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, should we talk about the actual inventories? Um, well, I mean, well? obviously the only important thing to talk about is that Lucy's brought two cans of soda because she wants to try out different flavors of gun. <laughs> yeah, and again, one of the flavors is called. <laughs> Gushing Granny, which Gushing is just, Granny Smith Apple or something, right? Just you know, which was like, so, that's the, that's the dankest reference I think it, there's it ever was been a, in a Wabo. Well, can work. you? I like half know that it was like a poll for something, right? Uh, for a Mountain Dew flavor. So Mountain Dew had like an online poll for like you know who could pick the flavor, and like 4chan or, or one of those types of websites, you know, got a hold of it, and and Gushing Granny was like one of the winners or something. Uh, I think I saw Wabo say that the in-universe explanation for this is a a company saw that and saw that Mountain Dew didn't go with that because obviously they wouldn't and was like, <laughs> hmm, we could earn some points with the internet now and, and just made their flavor called Gushing Granny Smith Apple, well, which is the fucking craziest thing ever. I'm not going to lie. I think if a company did that in real life, I'd probably buy one for the joke. So, yeah. like, I yeah. see it. I mean, I've bought, like, uh, Vegemite and fucking Lamington-flavoured chips and shit. Oh, my is... God. I got those Lamington-flavoured chips. They're awful. I threw them Aren't out. Aren't they like, weird? They're okay. It, it's, it, it's not okay. They're, like, they've got the texture of a chip, 
but but they taste too much like lamington. It's so weird, guys. Oh, sorry, for, for, I for know people don't know what lamingtons are. But... <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, it's like a little sponge cake with coco. Uh, uh, sorry, with coconut like yeah. chocolate icing. Yeah, yeah, thing that's that's big in Australia, and it is absolutely not a crisp flavor. Oh um, yes, yeah, sorry, chips. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when we say chips, we mean crisps in American. Yeah. Um. Anyway, moving moving on. Probably. Uh, yeah. Um. The. Like just to go through some of the other like highlights of the inventory that stood out for me, I'm very proud of uh, Lucy for bringing a flashlight this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avery's also got a first aid kit and a multi tool, which again, like big thumbs up. Like I love how you know they're not just bringing like magically enchanted shit, but they're like I've always loved this about the various Walbo works. It's like yeah, you know, sure I've got my magic like ring and stuff, but also I've, I've yeah, got a brain. a first aid kit, of course, because uni- I'm gonna need that after I eat my own finger or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I loved how Verona has, like, her big notebook, and then she's also got, like, her little spell book, and she has fucking, like, palm cards of mostly drawn diagrams ready to go on the fly. She's mm. she's learned that lesson from when she went to save Lucy from John Styles. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's very fun how much we get an insight into the prep they did off screen. Um, yeah, I mean, this. they are learning. They are getting better at yeah. this. Just, I don't know. It's not the kind of thing where you want them to get better <laughs> at, I guess. The other thing we should talk about here is is because we learn a bit more about some advanced diagramming uh, in 1.8 very briefly, and then we see yeah. the results of it here. Yeah, and like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a huge step up from what we've yeah, been doing. Yeah, these diagrams with- are crazy. Yeah, 1.4. I'm like, I, I, I probably spent like an hour looking at all these diagrams and trying to puzzle out what they mean, and I'm sure I'm not the only person. Um, and I'm also very sure that I haven't got all of them right, but we're going to talk about what we think they might be doing anyway, because it's, I mean, I think that's what Wabo was doing here, is he's, like, setting us homework. This was, like, a puzzle we were meant to unwrap, and yeah. that's what I've had so much fun doing. All right, talk us through it. Um, I'll quickly talk us through the one the one we know, because I use this as the basis of some of the others, which was, like, Avery's Pegasus boots. Yeah which have, like, the Mercury symbol, and obviously, like, Mercury is the, you know, innermost planet, revolves around the sun quickly, and Mercury was the god of, like, you know, running fast and speed and delivering mail and all that jazz. Didn't he have winged boots? Mm Mm-hmm. And Mercury is, like, Hermes in Greek or Roman or whatever, and he he gave, like, Theseus his winged boots or something at some point, I'm pretty sure. Yes, something like that. Um... Yeah, anyway, so the point is, between all the wind runes and the Mercury symbol, they're, like, speedy yep. jump boots. They're flowers, um, yeah. So the th- the cool other thing we learned here is, like, how some of the stabilizing the extra circles, like, not only do they look cool, but they're like training wheels on a tricycle, like, they just stabilize mm. things. Mm. Um, I-, I found that really cool, and, like, this sort of leads into, like, we also learned Avery's got her hockey stick, which I'm pretty sure is set up to be, like, a super whacking stick, like, it's got... Yep earth to make it heavy it's got diamonds pointing out in every direct so triangles pointing out in every direction to like aim it everywhere it's got the mars symbols which you know obviously mars was like the god of like violence and war yeah um interesting to see how that works with with the carmine beast out of action mm. um it's very fun and, but then like then we start to get to like the weird ones like um i think well, lucy's, lucy's mask, mask is, is simple yeah. it just lets us see in the dark yeah that's what i would get like it's the light runes around her eyes which to me is like look We've got headlights for eyes or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like, then there's, like, Verona's mask, which has these two interlocked, like, diamonds mm. or squares, depending on, your, you know, what angle you have them at. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, and we talked about this off offline, 
before recording. I think that's meant to symbolize connections, like because yeah. And I was thinking, like, if if Lucy's mask is inscribed to boost her seeing in the dark, which is like Verona's natural talent. One of the things Verona's sight is particularly weak with is the connections. Like she sees them as very thin strings, as opposed to like Avery and and even Lucy. So yeah, Avery and even Lucy, they they see like fairly thick cords, um, or like film rolls. So mm. I could see Verona's maybe being designed to boost her connection mm. seeing ability. Yeah, definitely. But I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of low confidence on that one. Um, but. Then, um, I mean, what uh, what else do we have? There was we have the uh, the cloak. Yes, uh, Verona's uh, oh, cloak. Yeah, or, or is it a cloak or her hat? I thought it was. Uh, uh, maybe, I think yeah. it's her cloak, which is it's it seems to be basically talking about shadow and darkness. Um, to oh, do yeah, with. cloak. I, I assume she's turned it into an invisibility cloak. Yeah, basically. Right. Or maybe she's, not an invisibility cloak. She's the, already um, prepping for Hogwarts. What's that one from Lord of the Rings? Uh, the the one that Frodo gets. Is it the one ring that makes him invisible? What are you talking about? No, no, no. Frodo has the like cape thing that he he gets from Lothlorien and it turns him into a rock in the third movie. Oh, come on. I'm not I don't know that. I know he's got a sword that glows when fucking uh, orcs are nearby. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody will know what I'm talking magic about. Ring. Frodo has a Lothlorien cloak. I'm pretty sure it's Lothlorien. And it like <laughs> Get out of here, it, it, it doesn't turn him invisible, come but on. it turns him into a rock. <laughs> Which is just as good, I think. Well, it is because Mordo was rocky. Um. Anyway, but wait. So the other two Lucy ones are like really the diagrams that I was like, "What the fuck's going yes. on here?" Like Lucy's got some advanced diagramming going on. Yeah, the hat is wild. Yeah. So uh, we spent a lot of time talking about this before recording. Yeah. I think the the way I'm interpreting it working is, is she's using the power of the words on the outside of the circle to funnel to to sort of power blocking the things on the inside yeah like the outside things are this the resource that blocks off the inside things from yeah. affecting her or Some, something like that hard to tell uh, and the fact uh, that families on both sides really threw us off a lot yeah. i think the, the the definitely the main goal of the diagram is to block off connections um what we got really caught up on perhaps unnecessarily is the relationship between things outside the circle and inside yeah, the circle. Yeah, the word and yeah, the words just really the fact that family is both on the outside and on the <laughs> inside somewhere else really just threw me off all over yeah. the place. Um and but like the, the real the real other big one uh is is Lucy's backpack. Yeah, so let's um, talk about some so it's got fire and air symbols that are kind of jetting out, passing out through this barrier and then like turning there's like symbols yes. for them to turn. But but the fire one's blocked off, I think, as well. Like, right, yes. I, I think that's meant to be a block off and not like an underline. I'm assuming yeah. it's fire that's blocked off, not... Um, yeah, uh, what would it, it, it looks like it's fire that's blocked off. Yeah, so we had a bunch of discussions again about what this could be. Um, like, I, I thought a jetpack at first, and I saw other people suggest a jetpack, but the turning doesn't make sense to me in that regard because mm. like the last thing you want is your jetpack to not be like very linear and stable like twirling in a jetpack is a big no-no i think yeah i i still i know there's problems with it but i still feel like the like explosive backpack is the vibe like it's a kind of last ditch measure she'll chuck her backpack at something and it'll just explode with like a whirl of fire and wind uh, i don't know it, do yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's enough fire in there for that though 
Well, it's also, like, it's a question of whether it's meant to be passive or, like, like wouldn't it all be blocked off and you'd be trying to build pressure until you release yeah, it in that case? Or, maybe. Like, you know, there's a chance it's a diagram that needs, like, an extra stroke or something to finish it, like, some yeah, of Rona's ones. And, yeah. you know, that's, like, lighting the fuse. Um, I think the the other idea we briefly had was it was, like, meant to be, like, a smoke machine, um, just because, obviously, there were big bushfires in Australia and we're both familiar with how smoky things around a fire can get, thanks to yep. the breeze. Yeah. Um, but I've actually settled on on a much more mundane yeah, yeah. The, my very extreme interpretation that I've actually settled on is I think it's just like aircon or like, like heating like, like I think it's warmer. just heating up her backpack I think I think the, the fire is being blocked off to spread into the middle uh, the, you know the little gap between the circles yeah. and then you've got air warm. and some funnel yeah. like that's just meant to be a fan I think it's I think it's just blowing hot air into her backpack Yep, because this is Canada. Like you got to stay warm. They're going on a night expedition. Warm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like I, I'm just. I, I think you know. I think we went way overboard thinking of fucking smoke machines and flamethrowers and stuff. I think it's just aircon. I think this is explicitly going to be one that we find out in a chapter or two. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see which of these is correct. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, here's something else. We, I was, we were looking at this for a long time talking about it and only at the very end, after I had looked at this for maybe an hour or something, or like 45 minutes, did I realize that the backgrounds to each of their diagrams are related to their site. So yeah, this was, this was so, I, I, I had not noticed that. And the second you said it, I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Yeah. It's just another example of how stylistic and great these drawings are. And it really speaks to Wabo's artistic talent here, because if you look at the diagrams, the Lucy's diagrams are shrouded in what is presumably like bloodstains. Um, Verona's are kind of these puddles of blackness, I guess you would call them as. Um, and then Avery's are the most explicit. They they are just handprints. And I don't know yeah. how I didn't notice this, but <laughs> yeah. it is just handprints on Avery's one. That's the one where you see it and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I, I, like, I almost wonder if that's why Walbo put it last, because then yeah. you sort of, you're probably meant to notice the handprints and then go, ah. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's just like, yeah, it's, it's such a, to, to sort of speak to Wabo's like, you know, art, artistic talent. That's just one of those extra little details that really elevates my appreciation for like the artwork here. Yeah. Um, and then we haven't even touched on the other part of this, which no, is yeah, the, this is another part, the yeah. fucking game facts guide to how to do good <laughs> in devouring song. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you reckon, do you reckon this website is part of the hungry choir? Uh I or is thought, it fan made? I thought it was at first, but it it can't be. Um, and also, I saw Wabo confirm that it isn't. It, like it, 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 oh, as in it isn't. It's not part like of the it wasn't choir. made by the Hungry Choir. Okay, it's, okay. It's explicitly, and then I think he he just said that in a kind of typical Wabo one sentence, uh, not quite answering all the questions you have, but giving you a little breadcrumb way, um, which then therefore implies to me that this is like people have put this together to try and min max the devouring song i guess yeah which like of course makes sense like that's sort of how you're meant to beat these rituals um yeah, yeah i mean i like obviously but it's a shame that we can't click all the other links i could, oh my I god could... that was the first thing i tried to do is try and scroll <laughs> the scroll wheel and click stuff because that would be so awesome to have done but yeah uh, no, it's it's absolutely an unreasonable expectation but god it would have yeah. been cool um yeah. some of the just the, some of the the things in like the the table of contents are so fun like in strategy there's like injuries and aftercare um yeah there's all sorts of yeah like, there's like, waifs as well which <laughs> yeah. are like what like really thin hungry things 
Yeah, I, I googled that. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like concerning. Um, yeah. There's the prize, which is the link I probably wish I could. I know that the was most. the one I tried to click on first. <laughs> um, there's hand signals, which is weird, especially if people are losing fingers. That's problematic. Yeah, um, and then obviously there's like the the page that we're actually on, uh, yeah. or that Gabriel uh, 007 is on, yep. is uh, like the prep that you should do the night before, which is like there's a have no knife rule, which seems specifically targeted at Lucy. Yep. Um, there's you know, yeah, all this stuff about how you have to eat beforehand, which is concerning. Um, you know, taking an anti-emetic, which of course is you know anti-vomiting. Yeah. Um, type stuff like this. Just there's so much going on where I was just like, I can't wait to see the clusterfuck of a ritual go off. <sighs> it's genuinely just going to be wild, right? Like, yeah. Because here's the line that got me was. Uh, NK1 inhibitors and serotonin receptor blockers cause dry mouth, which will get you killed. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the fuck is this? They're clearly eating and singing at the same time, right? Or, or like right after each other or something. E- yeah. Or, or which both. sounds disgusting. Who, and I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Chew yeah. your food and eat and swallow before you sing, right? Jeez. <laughs> Already I'm disgusted yeah. and we haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but uh, I think I think that's everything we had to say on uh, yeah on you know one point seven, one point eight, and inventories and inventories. Um. Yeah, great one. Great, great chapters. Maybe my favorite so far. I mean, favorite maybe not the right word because of all the Verona's <laughs> dad stuff, but great, yeah. just great, compelling chapters. We, we were talking about this on the Discord uh, earlier. Actually, there's that there's a difference between liking something and like enjoying it like, like yeah. you know like like toad swallow i like toad swallow in the story if toad swallow was real i'd, I'd run screaming like you know what i mean like, oh yeah of course there's a difference between liking something and, and liking and something. approving of it okay. <laughs> um yeah um but yeah that's the end of our uh episode i almost called it a chapter our episode for for this week um but don't fear, there's more to do. Always content coming during the week. Uh, the more to do this time is we're going to do a discussion question. So um, leave your answers to our discussion question in our discussion thread, which we'll link in the show notes down below. The question is, which aspects of our protagonists are you the most worried about? And yes, yes. there's a lot. So pick <laughs> one that you're the most worried about and let's talk about why you're so worried about it. I think we've had three chapters. We've had three chapters in a row, one from each Canateer's perspective. And at the end of each one, I've been like, I am the most worried about this Kenneteer currently. Um, yeah, it just keeps escalating, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even think it does. It's just like there's a recency bias there probably. Oh, um, yeah, true. So, like, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what people say because I think there's plenty to be worried about for each Kenneteer. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see what people are, are actually latching onto. Yeah, so uh, leave your answers to that in the discussion thread or just leave us your thoughts on the show in general, or the story or whatever, you know, whatever, man. It's all, it's all chill here. Um, that'll be linked down in the show notes. Yes. Uh, and if you want to know what else you can listen to as you finish up this episode, mm-hmm. uh, head on over to doofmedia.com. That's where all the deets on all the other doof shows are. Uh, oh, one yeah. that's coming up, if you're listening to this like right after it came out, um, about 10 hours after this episode releases, um, we will be doing the second episode of our game club. Yeah. Uh, so Ruben and I will be meeting up to talk about Transistor. Transistor. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, do all that jazz so if you and you know if you're listening well after 10 hours after this episode came out uh the game club will still be on youtube so you can come check it out uh 
you know, in the future, you'll be able to watch a recording. Yep. Um, so go do that. Uh, if you want more from us, you can check out our Twitter, which is at MediaMD Podcast, where you could have seen Elliot's live uh, packed spoiler field, but still good, I think. Still worth <laughs> a uh, listen, a watch, a read, whatever. Um, anyway, go to at MediaMD Podcast and you can see all that stuff. That was a bit of a mess, <laughs> but you got the picture. <laughs> Uh, yes, and you know if you if you like this show, if you like the weird tangents we keep going on off of, if you like Galaxy Brain predictions, mm-hmm. uh, come on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Yeah, uh, we're entirely backed by our patrons, uh, and you get tons of perks as a part of that as well. One such perk is you get to participate in voting what the game club covers. So we're obviously covering Transistor in a few hours, uh, and the patrons have just finished voting on what we will be covering next, which we will, we will reveal in the game club. Um, so, you know, if you want your say in what we cover after that, uh, come and join our patron. Yeah. I think it is my favorite part of doing live. Now that we're doing a live wild burst story is the fact that there are just bonkers predictions to be made and they're always <laughs> so much fun. So, um, hopefully everyone's enjoying that. It's not I mean, just and- me. It happens in the discord, which you get access to if you're a patron. Yeah, well, and this is definitely, I think, a story that is meant to be making us do oh, that, yeah, like, totally. more so than, than some of the others. I think this is, it's a mystery, right? So you're meant to be finally trying to crack the code before everyone else. Yep. Um, um, yeah. And, actually, you know, and one other thing is, uh, if you donate $10 or more to our post Patreon, he'll tell you who's the murderer. No, no who's going to do that? that? No he one won't would, do Like, that. I wouldn't donate. That's a terrible sell. Or he, Okay. If you don't donate okay, $10, bit, so he will tell you. If you no, no, no. He'll spoil unless it. He, unless he reaches the next milestone on his Patreon, he's never going to reveal who's the murderer of the Carmine Beast, and we'll just never have an answer to the mysteries. So if you want to find out eventually who's behind it all, the only way to guarantee that we're going to find out is to make sure Wild Bird keeps writing stories. And the only way for that to happen is to support him on Patreon. So go to patreon.com forward slash Wildbo and give him some money. I don't know if we should be making promises about what Wildbo is and isn't going to do on his patron. But um look, I think it's true to say this okay, this is a true fact. Okay. Okay, this is practitioner speak to 100% That's... true. If Wildbo wasn't earning any money for writing, he wouldn't be able to write stuff, right? Okay. Right? So therefore, if people don't continue to support him, if Wildbo's patron doesn't continue to get support, he it's possible that this story might not get finished because Wabo has to go and do other work or something, you know? So therefore, the only <laughs> way, the only way to guarantee that we're going to find out the end of this mystery is to encourage people to support Wabo's Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Wabo. Yeah, just, well, just just go give him some money if you're enjoying the story because I, yes. I am yeah, too. Yeah, let's simplify it. <laughs> Forget all this, cut all that, yeah, whatever. Just give him some money, why not? Yeah, uh, and so with all that said, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about i i guess more loss for words uh well we'll see yeah yeah i i think we, it's possible we could hit the end of the arc soon although no we'll no we'll have to we'll i have feel to like we have to in, encounter first. the hungry choir right i mean yeah. unless we do get it as a gabe interlude and that's how we experience what's going on which i think is possible that'd have to be like yeah there's a lot to cover in that chapter potentially i don't yeah. know but these we'll are hefty see. chapters i don't know maybe um anyway anyway see you next time folks <laughs>